Good morning. Great change his name. How many of you thought what today was? Probably about half of you. So half of you are younger, weren't here when 9-11, September 11th happened. It was 21 years ago. You know, it seemed unfathomable to me at that time to think of passengers in an airplane cruising at 500, 600, or however fast, and using them as weapons to destroy. Probably remember the location you were at when you heard that news. I had made a visit to Napa. I was looking for Dave at that time. I was picking up some parts and I heard it come across the radio. And it was one of those things where, no, seriously, how? This isn't true. I'd like to fast forward to three years ago on this same day when Christy and I received the news that she had cancer. Again, that was a blow. We had done many doctor visits up to that point, and nothing was coming up showing anything alarming. But still, in the back of our minds, something was not right. But once we figured it out, it seemed like there was somewhat of a relief because now we have a plan. And the doctors reassured us there that day that there's hope. Everything's going to be fine. And they were right. Everything was fine. As I reflect back over those couple years, all the doctor visits and hospital stays, you know, if someone would have told me 20 years ago that I'd be a widower, I said, no way. You know, we always have plans, and we have plans that we're going to live to be 80 plus years. But that's not always the case. So as somewhat of a tribute to Christy, I thought I would bring to you this morning a message, something that I was trying to put together, and I was cruising through her Bible, and I came across a paper that she had in there, and it sent shivers up and down my back. Because on the bottom of paper, the date says 9-11-2019. And I'm not sure where this paper came from, but I think I can speculate that it may have come from Dennis, 
and I think it's an A.W. Tozer or a, a uh, writing out of one of his books. How many of you, he may have shared it here on a Sunday morning, but it's We Travel in a Pointed Way. Any of you remember that? It's called Chapter 1, We Travel Pointed Way. This is all the information I have is on this paper. And I think he gave it to her or she heard it and she requested it. So when this was printed, this paper was printed, the printer always put, well, if you have it set up, we'll put the date on it. And that date is 9-11-2019, which was the day that we found this news. And I'm going to read it. To the child of God, there is no such thing as an accident. He travels in a pointed way. The path he treads was chosen for him when as yet he was not. And when as yet he had existence only in the mind of God. Accidents may indeed appear to befall him and misfortune stalk his way, but these evils will be so in appearance only and will seem evils only because we cannot read the secret script of God's hidden providence and so cannot discover the ends at which he aims. When true faith enters, chance and mischance, chance and mischance go out for good. They have no jurisdiction over them that are born of the Spirit, for such as these are sons of a new creation, special charges of the Most High God. While sojourning here below, these children of the eternal covenant may pay token tribute to nature, sickness, old age, death, may level upon them, and to the undiscerning eye they may seem to be as other men. Here, as in all its other judgments upon Christianity, the world is completely fooled by its appearances. For it cannot see that these things, that these believing ones are hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3 3. The man of true faith may live in the absolute assurance that his steps are ordered by the Lord. For him, misfortune is outside of the bounds of possibility. He cannot be torn from this earth one hour ahead of time, which God has appointed, and he cannot be tamed on earth one moment after God is done with him here. He is not a wolf in the wide world, a foundling of time and space, but a saint of the Lord and the darling of his particular care. All this is not mere dreaming, not a comforting creed woven in a garment to warm, to warm the shivering heart of the lonely, frightened soul in the dark of the unfriendly world. Rather, it is of the essence of truth, a fair summarization of the teaching of the Bible and the subject, and should be received reverently and joyously, along with everything else which is taught in Scripture of truth. Here then I doubt no more, but in his pleasure rest, whose wisdom, love, and truth, and power engaged to make me blessed. And I found this in Christie's Bible, and she had it highlighted and boxed and underlined the paragraph about death. God's perfect time. I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want to read the 
first four verses of Colossians 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also, shall ye also appear with him in glory. We, as humans, we like to reminisce, we like to go back and jog our memories, and that's okay to do that. But here Paul is urging us to do the opposite. Instead of looking back, we are to look ahead. Not only are we to dream of the eternity with God in heaven, but we are to live as though it would become a reality today. We are to live above while we still live below. I have three things I would like us to look at here. First one in these verses I see is that we need to review our conversion in the first verse. Being risen with Christ. He's talking to us as Christians. Are we risen in Christ? Only those that have truly placed their faith in Christ for salvation are risen with Christ. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Christ died and rose again to give us life. Romans 5.8 But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners that He died for us. Hebrews 2.14 For as much when ye are... For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, and through death he might destroy him that hath the power over death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sin and just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We died and we arose to a new life in Christ. A moment a person repents and trusts Christ for salvation, he is dead to sin. He needs to die to sin and he needs to receive that new life in Christ. And God can make him a new person. The Bible uses the illustration of a changed person from sin to that of a new person uses the illustration of metamorphosis. You know, that's something that I totally can't understand. But for the Christian, again, I have a wheelbarrow at home that I hadn't been using for some time and had been laying out by our shed and I was going to use it here just this past week and I just happened to see on the wheel that there was a crystal crystal list a cocoon 
And I thought, hmm, wonder if I leave that, will I be able to witness a butterfly coming out of there? So as of now, I have the wheelbarrow propped up in the shed, and I'm observing it daily as I go by to see if, if I'll get to witness this or not. I've never have. I think I attempted at school one time to do it, and I think we forgot about it, or I did. I forgot about it, and found a dead white moth, which was very disappointing. But there's a, cha- a transformation, there's a change, there's this idea of going from something that is bad to something that is good. Something that is ugly to something that is beautiful. Romans 6.4 Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in that newness of life. First Corinthians 6.19 Our body is known as the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do we allow God's Spirit to live in our temple? We are bought with a price. Are we transformed into His image? This is what these verses are talking about here. Being risen with Christ. We are His workmanship, created in Christ to good works. If you ever had a desire to fix up a castle, there was an opportunity at one time, I don't know when, but in the state of Saxony, eastern Germany, there was a dozen castles for sale. And each of those castles were priced at one German mark. And that would have been equivalent to one half U.S. dollar. Really cheap. But there's a catch. And that catch is that these castles have to be restored to their historical structure like they had previously been. They were in ruins. They were falling apart. And whoever would acquire to buy these would have to agree to fix them up. And it was estimated that the restoration could cost anywhere from $7 million to $60 million per castle. Now does that sound appealing? Buying a fixer-upper nightmare maybe gives us a picture of what God has done for each of us. renovation and the renewal that the Father carried out in all who receive His Son begins with new life. But God, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Ephesians 2.4 God purchased us with a great cost, and that was His Son who gave His life freely. It's a free gift. Second thing that I see in these verses is we need to focus on eternity. As a child of God, 
we have eternity to look forward to. We need to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The emphasis on things above. The Christian life is not about having a good time on earth, but it's preparing for that time that we can have in heaven. We're to aim, we're to strive, we're to seek, we're to crave those things that are above. I see a lot of effort, I see a lot of energy being used for that. God wants our passion in seeking His will in heaven. Remember what Jesus said, we are to seek instead of the needs of this life, but to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What were Jesus' last words to His followers in Mark sixteen fifteen? He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Have you done that this past week? Are you spreading His gospel? Heaven needs to be our focus. Needs to be our goal, our desire. Thinking of putting our all into it, there's a a phrase that's called, or a phrase put this way guard your brand, and it's popular with retail in clothing stores, and they will advertise different types of clothes and to take it one step further they sometimes request that those that work there wear those clothes as well guard your brand so in other words people that come in to shop there will be um, drawn to that style that, that brand and will want to buy it That's the nature of a consumer-oriented culture that we live in. Sometimes, how well do we guard our brand? And I want to use the brand of being Christ-like. What's really important to God? He wants us to look like Jesus in our character Jesus is our brand. Are we being conformed to His image? Do we attract others because Christ is in us? Do we have tender mercies? Do we have kindness? Do we have humility? Meekness, long-suffering. And above all that, Do we have love?
how much emphasis do you put on your garden? Instead of polishing and protecting our own image, we need to be guarding and reflecting the image of God. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. One of the Spirit's roles is to form us into the likeness of Christ. How much focus have I placed on heaven? The third thing I want to look at here out of these verses is for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Looking unto Christ's return. When we trust Christ to save us, the selfish life, the old man, the man that was ruled by sin is dead, and Christ gives us new life then we can understand and be accepted in that. Romans 6.11 Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin no longer is our master. It no longer controls us. You will appear with Christ in glory if you have accepted this gift of salvation and put on the new man, been transformed. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, tells us that Christ will one day be visible. We cannot see him now, but he is the source of our spiritual life. And with confidence, one day we will see him. And he will come to take the true Christians home. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be with the Lord. When he comes, we will appear together with him in glory. That is the presence of the God Almighty. This world is not our permanent home. We forever will live with God in glory. Why then do we seek to please ourselves here? But needless, we need to switch and we need to seek to please God. And know that God will come through 
and we can reign and live with him in eternity. Christians are heavenly people. Paul talked about that in Ephesians 2. God had raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We live on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. We therefore need to seek those things which are above. Store up our treasures in heaven. We can see a graphic difference between an earthly-minded person and a heavenly-minded person. I believe there was, I didn't go to see it, but I believe there was some time back here, there was a display of King Tut and all his, at least some of his um, stuff that he took with him to the grave. And uh, he obviously must have believed in somewhat of an afterlife, but he uh, wrapped his tomb with all kinds of precious metal and blue porcelain and uh, mummified his body. But there's another tomb I'd like you to think about. That tomb is in Palestine in a rock-hewn cave. It's empty. There's no earthly treasures there. There's nobody there. And there's no reason to store anything there. That was Jesus' tomb. His goal was to fill all righteousness. And by doing the Father's will, Jesus had a spiritual kingdom, and that spiritual kingdom was of truth and love. The treasures we store up here on earth are going to stay behind when this life ends. But the treasures we store up in heaven, we are going to have them for eternity. What is it that we can take to heaven? Well, I believe it's the impact that we can have on other people, other souls, our children. It's not stuff. It's not the stuff that's going to rust or rot or decay. When we store up in heaven, these are the treasures that will be there. The treasures we store up on earth will all stay behind when this life ends, but the treasures we store up in heaven will have eterni- will have for eternity. When we seek to be Christ-like in thought, word, and deed, we will live like heavenly people. And that is by Rand Gorder. There was a Scottish preacher also named John McNeil who liked to tell the story of an eagle. An eagle had been captured when it was young and a farmer who had snared it, he put this bird, this eagle, in a restraint so it couldn't fly. And then he turned the eagle loose in the barnyard. As he observed that eagle, it wasn't long till 
that eagle began to act like the chickens. It was scratching and pecking on the ground. This bird, once soared high above the mountains, was now in a barnyard acting like a chicken. One day, the farmer had a visitor, a shepherd from the mountains, come visit him. And he noticed this eagle. And he told the shepherd, he told the farmer, the shepherd told the farmer, what a shame that you have this bird hobbling around your barnyard. He says, why don't you let it go? The farmer agreed. So the farmer cut the restraint off the bird. But you know, the eagle still wandered around the barnyard, acting like a chicken, scratching and pecking. It wasn't until then that the shepherd finally picked up the eagle and set it on a high wall. For the first time in months, the eagle saw the grand expanse in front of him, the blue sky, the glowing sun. Then with its wings spread and a leap, it soared high. At last, it was acting like an eagle again. Sometimes I wonder, do we become too comfortable in the barnyard acting like a chicken? When we have the promises of God before us to put the wind under our wings so we can soar and that we can go to new heights, to lofty places, there is a higher realm. Confess your sins and seek those things which are above. You will soon be longing to rise above, rise above the mundane things of this world. Like the eagle, it's not too late to start to soar to the greater heights. Let's not get comfortable with the barnyard, but let's look to the mountains and to the hills where our strength comes from. David used that illustration. As we think about the events of 9-11 and those things that God allows to come into our lives, my challenge is, do we draw closer to God? We don't know what the future holds. But with confidence, I can guarantee that if you set your affection on things above, you will not be disappointed. I'd like to close with a saying from Corey Ten Boom. Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. But look to Jesus and be at rest.